So I cleaned out under our bed. I had like a cleaning frenzy. Oh, that could go one or two ways. Well, it went. So Fiona <laughs> always sleeps in our bed. But the first night where there was nothing under the bed, she slept under the bed for a little bit. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> Mike was like, you're going to start filling it up so fast so that she sleeps back in the bed. But I woke up in the middle of the night. She made the right decision. She came into bed with us. That's the price you pay for cleaning. Hi, Jillian Benzavalli. Hi, Patrick Hines. Oh, my God, you guys. If you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. Over 250 full ad-free bonus episodes to download a binge right the second. We're done with the Gacy thing. We're moving on to the West Cork thing, the Sophie thing for Netflix. Mike, I've never seen him talk to the TV the way he does with Sophie. Uh-huh. He has so much to say about Sophie. I got to tell you, Audible did a podcast about this like a year and a half ago. I was totally obsessed. Yes, I know. So was Ashley, my friend Ashley. Yes. So we're doing that. We, we did uh, The Vow, Tiger King, Don't F with Cats, Night Stalker, Heaven's Gate, The Jinx, Robert Durst is in yeah. the news again. Serial Season 1, Lacey Peterson. It's all there. Everything from Netflix, Oxygen, Hulu, anything you can think of where there's a long-form series. We've covered them all. All of it. And we're going to continue to because everyone just makes like six-episode series now. We're in this for the long haul. Join us, won't you? You can also get ad-free versions of these episodes, uh, after parties, the whole deal. Join us in the Facebook group. Over 40,000 of your true crime best friends. It's the True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. You know, Sasha, our lead Facebook person moderates it. She keeps the conversation going. She's your person to go to if you have any questions, if you have any thoughts or things to do. People are meeting in the Facebook group and doing like Zoom hangs to talk about their favorite cases. I know. Sasha, I don't know where we would be without you. They're amazing. I love (laughs) Sasha. I'm saying it. All right, girl, what are we talking about today? Say it right this time, please. Say the full title. Say it right, you just said to me. <laughs> who, are, who are you, the preppy right. killer? Pay attention. <laughs> Very scary people with Donnie Wahlberg. I am the Zodiac part two. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, Very Scary People is the dumbest name for a series. It's good, it's a good series. It just adds to us being spoken to like we're in kindergarten, which I I know know. I don't appreciate. Hopefully you listened to last week. Please go back and listen to last week because you're gonna be very lost I know if you're joining us right now. That's true, definitely do that. You get more Donnie that way as well. My first note here is he literally just packed the car in Harvard Yacht. His Boston accent in these like where he talks to us comes through so heavily. The Zodiac Killer is terrorizing Northern California. But while police desperately try to identify a suspect, the killer has a new plan. One that will spread panic and make him infamous. To him, murders become a game. But this game is not over, not even close. We continue with, I am the Zodiac. It comes through, and if you're from the area, your ears cannot not hear Yeah, it. and he's trying to stifle it because he's trying to be Rod Serling from the Twilight Zone. So it's like, Donnie, just be you. It's why Patrick's here. I know. And then we get this, like, lit- I, my next note, I think I might actually be in love with Donnie Wall. I think you are, too. I mean, I've usually it's like I want to snuggle, I want to do this and that. But to, like, yeah. spend Christmas morning with him, that's like, those are feelings. That's emotions. I want to spend Christmas morning, and I want to do that thing where we touch each other's faces. Okay, well, that's it's intimate. for the two of you <laughs> on Christmas morning. I guess your family's where? Just they, they're yeah. elsewhere. Long gone. Long gone. <laughs> long gone. Yeah, yeah. Long gone. Merry Christmas, you know I mean? kid. Thanks for nothing. That's you talking to Daisy. Get out of here, kid. Donnie's on his way. Get out of here, kid. I got Donnie Wahlberg to do my breakfast with. Get out of here. You just throw, throw like a $5 bill in a car. Here you go. Merry Christmas. Come on. Get out of here. Donnie's on his way. <laughs> 
Steve's like, I love you. Like, Bye. You're like, whatever. Bye. Take the take the kid and run. Donnie's on his way. <laughs> Daddy needs his Donnie time. Let's go. So what are we going to do during this 10-minute recap we got at the top? We don't need a 10-minute recap. I think we're doing it. I think we're doing it. Okay. We're just... Because Donnie gives us a previously on, and then we get like an extra long previously yeah. on like from the show itself, right? It's longer than any previously on I've ever seen anywhere. It's almost as though they play the first episode before giving us the second episode. That we are here again, which we are where so often where it's like the network was like, we got to make this a twofer. This easily could have been a 90 minute thing. They needed to make it two episodes. So we're spending the first 15 minutes, but let's do it just in case. I mean, hopefully you listen to the last episode, but they just like break down the murders. He stalked and killed with knives and guns. Once he even dressed as an executioner. David Faraday was shot in the head once and Betty Lou Jensen was shot in the back five times as she was trying to run away. Boy was an Eagle Scout. There's no uh, record of any uh, misbehavior on either one of them. We are reminded that David Faraday was an Eagle Scout, to which I just said, why? That's so much work. It's a lot of work for kids. For but like you have to be 18 to be an Eagle Scout. Like you like you can like legit start fires with twigs and stuff. 18 is still so young to me. Like I know, I know you can get drafted or whatever. We even still do that. <laughs> You can vote, girl. It's not that young. No, I, but to me, like an 18, I'm like an 18 year old. Like I understand I like in the eyes of the law, they're an adult, but they're still super young to me. Well, it depends on the situation. Like if you're 18 and you're voting, that's good. You're an adult. If you're 18 and you're getting attacked by a fucking serial killer, it's too young to die. So I right? can see both sides like, of the equation. I just, yeah. I'm torn about the whole thing. I'm obsessing about yeah. 18 year olds right now. I don't know why that is. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. So like the last part of the coming up on is where we left off it's you know the Paul Stein murder and it's the kids who saw the whole thing go down through the window and they're the ones who called the cops and like gave a report of the white guy that just killed the cab driver and ripped the his clothes guy. off and then wiped down the cab no I'm saying they said white guy and I'm assuming it was the cops that got it wrong right no one wants to place blame or take blame because everyone says like through miscommunication it turned out it was a black guy was it the kids who saw someone in the dark oh. was it a racist cop the point is the cops walk by the actual actual Zodiac killer who points them in a totally yeah. different direction because they think they're looking for a black guy. So we're at the Paul Stein murder scene. But wait, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Because kind of quickly they realize that they fucked up and that it's not a black guy, it's a white guy, and that the cops actually talked to the Zodiac killer. Did those cops spend the next 40 fucking years in hypnosis telling them every single thing they remember about the Zodiac killer? Did they do that? Um, If I were there, yes, they would have, but no. Okay. Unfortunately. Jillian's Law. You guys were reviving Jillian's Law. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, uh, for a lot of yeah. reasons, I was unable to help. Because these two cops are the people that we know spoke the most to the guy, had a, the most direct like look at his face. They know what his voice sounds like. They know what he looks like. They know what he fucking walks like. How did these guys not spend the rest of their lives writing down descriptions of the Zodiac Killer? Yeah, and they do. The descriptions just match like Darlene and everyone else. He's sort of right. a lumbers along is what they said. He's just like a big guy. My thing here is like they're the ones that know what he sounds like. Yes. To me, that this is the valuable new information. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, that's really fucking valuable. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I could talk about it for forever. But hey, Dave Toski is here. You want to take it away? Dave Toski is here. Dave Toski, he's wearing a trench coat like Columbo, okay? One of the first officers to arrive on the scene is Inspector Dave Toski, and he's somewhat of a legend in the San Francisco PD. He's so charismatic. Toski's known as the city super cop. He's got a trench coat, trench coat Dave. Dave Toski was just like known. He was super famous and he, you know, he had yeah. the cigar and the trench coat like Columbo and all that stuff. Settle down, everybody. Just do the fucking good police work, please. God damn it. Stop smoking cigars at crime scenes. Unless you're Columbo. <laughs> Columbo doesn't carry a gun. He doesn't need it. He's the best in the biz. I'll no. say it every time. <laughs> he doesn't need a gun. But by the time Toski gets there, they say mm-hmm. like the crime scene is still really fresh. The taxi meter is still running. Right. So, so Paul's wallet is missing and uh, like a yeah. very big piece of his shirt is missing. But again, they find a bloody palm print. They find a bloody palm print on the right side of the taxi cab. Right. So we get a sketch of the killer and we the, the sketch we get now, it's a new sketch. It's based on the information from the three kids who saw this from a window across the street in the dark who thought it was a black guy, possibly. But also the two cops who talked to him. So they right. combine the information and it's the famous sketch you know. It's the one that everybody, like when you Google Zodiac Killer, it's the yeah. thing that comes up. It's the buzz cut and the the black rimmed glasses. And again, yeah. it's like, this is where we hear for 15 minutes. like The description probably fit thousands of men in the Bay Area and millions of men across America in the late 1960s. If you open any high school yearbook or anything, you'll see a lot of people who look just like that because that was the look. You guys, Google D.B. Cooper, which happened at exactly the same fucking time. It is the exact same. And like, it's not to say that anyone got the sketch wrong. It is to say that every white guy looked like that in the 60s and the 70s. There was a look. They were going for it. Everyone was doing it. The short hair and the glasses. We're going to meet another guy in this episode whose picture we actually see who actually looks exactly like this person. It was a look. They were into it. So it's, you know, two days after the Paul Stein murder... The San Francisco Chronicle gets yet another letter from the Zodiac, but this time it includes a piece of Paul Stein's bloody shirt, to which I say, thanks, Dick. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> thanks a lot. You know who agrees with you? Carol Fisher, the letters to the editor editor. Carol Fisher, who was letters to the editor editor, is opening a letter. She shakes it. Out comes a piece of bloody cloth. She lets out a shriek. Carol Fisher, the letters to the editor editor, is the one who's opening this letter and then she shakes it and the piece of bloody cloth falls out and she screams. And I said, I felt very seen by Carol Fisher, letter to the editor editor. Letter to the editor editor. That's my favorite. It re- <laughs> it truly rolls off the tongue. Everyone try it at home. You shouldn't be driving anyway. So pull over if you no. have. Letter to the editor editor. It's fun to it's say. It's Carol Fisher, letter to the editor editor. I love it. And her. she screamed when she saw the bloody shirt and I'm Carol and Carol is me. There And there you have it. Carol, let's talk, girl. Cocktail party. Yeah. Christmas parties, seat me next to her. <laughs> because the other thing is to imagine your Carol Fisher letter to the editor, editor, and you open a letter from the fucking Zodiac, and now all of a sudden you're dealing with like actual like police evidence that you've just touched. Like there, that's your whole day. Right. And, you got to deal with that for the week. And, but I'm sure she's like, it's better than all the complaints. Who writes a letter to the editor? Someone who's complaining. <laughs> They're not writing like, great job, editor. They're all, it's, she is opening piles of complaints totally. on a daily basis. So part of her was like, well, it's better than fucking, you know, totally. Sue. Who has an issue with, you know, something, which is also like everyone's voice should be heard. That's fine. But I'm just saying Carol deals with a lot of negativity on a daily basis. She didn't need a bloody fucking shirt, Zodiac. (laughs) Oh, my God. So the letter says. This is the Zodiac speaking. I am the murderer of the taxi driver over by Washington and Maple Street last night. To prove this, here is a bloodstained piece of his shirt. 
he goes on and he just says, you know what? Now that we're talking about it, school children make fine targets. I think I'm going to wipe out a school bus one morning. Casey Jordan, the criminologist who we who went to the Diane Diamond School of being the person to speak last and first in every episode. Mm-hmm. She says Zodiac had taken credit for four different attacks in which five people had been killed and another two injured. But now he was threatening to up the body count considerably. Now he was threatening to up the body count considerably. Casey. (laughs) Casey. Casey. And so we see Bill Armstrong, who's Dave Toskey's partner, and uh-huh. it's some press conference or whatever. He's talking to the to the public or the press or whatever. And he's just like, so here's what the Zodiac has told us, everyone. This is not going to calm anyone down. This is going to make everything a lot no. worse. Because he explains yeah. that the Zodiac says... The suspect in this matter indicates that he is going to make a bomb. The bomb planted in the street or alongside of a roadside, which would uh, be triggered when a school bus passed by he rigged them in some way that they would be triggered by a school bus going by, which is like, how? I don't, I think it's bullshit, but it's still very scary that we know he's a killer. He's killed young kids. Now he wants to like fuck up a school bus. I believe that his intentions are to do that. And Captain Mike Lee also holds a press conference and he goes, This man is a a psychopath with uh, very, very seriously mentally deranged this man is a psychopath. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's very mentally deranged. Mm-hmm. He appears to have no conscience at all. This man is a very serious problem to us. Yeah, clearly we have a real problem on our hands with this one. Yes, I know. Thank you so much. And they say that initially the newspapers didn't want to print the, the threat from the Zodiac out of fear of what might happen, meaning like what would it do to the, you know. Like a the... mass hysteria, absolute chaos down here, Tom. To which I said, and I wasn't even a parent yet. No, they didn't even know you. <laughs> nobody heard you. Like nobody could hear that voice. Can you imagine if this happened on like like if this happened with like Daisy as a potential target, ladies and gentlemen? No, I uh, I can't. <laughs> I'm frightened. I know. is the word. I just I fear for all of us, really, because. I would never hear the end of it, and I don't really know no. if I can handle that. You don't have time for that. But then also, Captain Lee also says, And up to now and continuing, we have a number of plain clothes officers following buses in the morning and in the evening. We have a number of plainclothes officers following the buses in the morning and the evening. It cuts to footage of this, and it's an actual police car following the bus. To which I said, are they in the police cars in plain clothes? Because if so, what's the point? Well, I mean, you know what I mean? Ca- yeah, the, the cop car really <laughs> throws a wrench in that whole plan. Really gives it away what's going on here. And then I was also was like, whether they're in a regular car or in plain clothes or not or whatever, what's the point? Because if the school bus gets blown up, so's the cop car. Right, I don't Guys, no, Come I'm on. hoping that that footage is not, is just like, here's a footage of a cop car. Like, I, I'm hoping yeah. that it's not part of their plan. But yeah, I guess it's like, it's good to, they can get people on the scene. They can maybe save some lives. Like, I'm not really sure. It all just seems very slapdash. Like, we don't know what to do. Let's just throw a cop car behind them. But where, but where street clothes? Because they can't say at this press conference. So we're just going to wait for this to happen and then solve it after the fact. They have to try to make it seem like they're going to try to kind of get ahead of it, but it's impossible. What we're really going to do is let your kids die and then figure it out. That's the only way to get clues.
All right, it's time to talk about the 340 Cypher Girl. We got an update that was not, it's not part of this episode. Right, because they say, to this day, we don't know what's in it. That's not true anymore. Right. That is not true. Not true, not the case. So along with this bomb threat and the threat to kill the kids, there's another cypher, and it's known as the 340 Cypher. And in December 2020, it was solved by private citizens, and the FBI yes. confirmed it was solved. However, don't get it twisted about the word solved. It gave us no new information. We just know what it says. Well, but it had been 50 years. For 50 years, people have been trying to crack this code and they weren't able to do it. So some guy in Virginia had been working on it for 14 years. Some mathematician took that guy's work and realized that the cipher had a, like a potential of 650,000 outcomes. So then some guy in Belgium who has like a random day job that isn't math related wrote code breaking software and just like set it to work on the internet and they fucking solve it. There's like an 18 minute YouTube video explaining how yeah. they did all this. It's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. So here's what it says. We know this, and the people in this documentary don't know this. We know this now because we're in the future. We're living it. We're, we are the Jetsons. Yeah. But it's also interesting <laughs> timing because something that comes up in this 340 cipher is about to be addressed in the documentary. The timing is very yeah. interesting. It's so interesting. So it says, I hope you're having lots of fun in trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show. So that's what we're about to get right. to, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise. So they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life is life will be an easy one in paradise death. He spells paradise with a C instead of an S. Yeah. And so he says that he spells it like that several times in this. And he also has even in the first one where he's like all my slaves for in paradise. It was spelled yeah. that it was spelled that way there, too. And this is confirmed by the FBI. Like they're like, oh, shit, they did it. Right. It does not tell us anything new about who the Zodiac is. But after yeah. decades and decades, this like elusive thing was finally solved, which I remember like all my DMs blew up for days. Like I'll never forget it when that happened. I was hearing from people they were like did you hear about this like everyone I, I was the text whenever you know when you hear about something it's like who are you gonna text everyone texted me about the zodiac news yeah, they were like yeah, isn't it great and i'm like um, I know. <laughs> great uh a little interesting but we still don't have any more news but i'm sure you're sitting at home because you're not in a car right you know better i'm sure you're sitting at home wondering what is he talking about the tv show in a gas chamber i'm so glad you asked right. except that everybody knows this case inside and out so they all know okay what well talking i'm talking to the two people who don't <laughs> So on October 22nd, 1969, someone calls the Oakland Police Department. Someone called the Oakland Police Department and claimed to be the Zodiac. He asked that the famous attorney, Melvin Belli, appear on a local talk show to talk about the Zodiac. So Belli was transported to the local television station. I want to talk to Melvin Belli on the Jim Dunbar show. Let me explain all those words. I'm going to explain all those words. Okay. Uh -huh. Can I borrow your, can I borrow your laser pointer for this? <laughs> Melvin Belli was a lawyer. He was known as the king of torts. So he represented like a ton of celebrities like Zsa Zsa Gabor and Chuck Berry and the Rolling Stones and Mae West and Tony Curtis. Like he loved wow. representing celebrities and sometimes like the sleazy stuff. And he he won over like $600 million in damages for all of his clients. Oh my God. Yeah, he was also the attorney for Jack Ruby, by the way. Oh my God. Who shot Lee Harvey Oswald. So that's Melvin Belli. And he loves it. He's played by Brian Cox in the movie, Flawless. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jim Dunbar, 
by the way. Everyone's like, what is happening? Jim Dunbar was like just this, like a legendary broadcaster, like radio, television. Yeah, like Dick Cavett level. Yeah. yeah, like both of these men in 1969 were super big time in their field. So the Zo- this yeah. guy says, I'm the Zodiac. Here's what I want. I want Melvin Bella. I want Jim Dunbar. I- that's what I want to do. And I'm going to call in. And we see this footage. I have headache. Right. How many of you have those headaches, Sam? In a long time, since I killed a kid. The quote Zodiac agrees to be called Sam. And then, like, he calls in, you hear it, it sounds very weird. It's not going great. Like, uh, essentially, the guy who says he's a Zodiac doesn't want to answer any questions. He just says he can't remember anything. He's like, I have headaches. I have headaches. And the only thing that stops them is if I kill people. And I have a really bad headache and I want to kill some kids. And that, and he doesn't give any right. information about any previous murders or anything at all. Yeah. So they get Brian Hartnell in. Brian Hartnell is a survivor from Lake Berryessa, right? With the, yes. the And he heard him talk as well. Right. So, like, he would know what his voice sounds like. And they call Brian in and they're like, Brian, listen to this voice. Is this the Zodiac? And Brian's like, absolutely not. This sounds nothing like him. He's too young. He's too pathetic sounding to be Zodiac. I said, Brian, again, savage. Brian's the guy who describes the Zodiac as pouchy. pouchy. Oh, girl. girl. And eventually they figure out that it was a guy calling from a mental institution. Yeah, so it wasn't him. Brian was right. It wasn't him. But the yeah. real Zodiac was watching the show because yes. not only in the cipher that we just told you about that, w- that someone solved in December of 2020, but Zodiac was watching because by December 20th, 1969, Melvin Belli, the lawyer, gets a letter from the Zodiac. From the real Zodiac. So it's really him this time. Right. And it's on the one year anniversary. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Kim Goldman, of the Lake Herman Road murders, uh, Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday, the first murders that we heard about. And he includes a piece of the Paul Stein shirt. So like, that's how he proves it. Right. So Melvin Bella is like, holy shit. Okay, great. Worst PR stunt I ever did or best. But Melvin, like, not like he needs any more PRs. Jaja Gabor. Come on. Jo- jo- Come on. <laughs> Tony Curtis. I'm like, Jack hot. Ruby. Oh, my God. So now we go, we dive into like the theories of who the Zodiac might be. There are a lot of prevailing theories on who the Zodiac is. Maybe he had a military background or he had a background in law enforcement. His haircut, he apparently had a buzz cut. That was rather military looking. His plain black rim glasses were kind of military. He apparently was competent with weapons. He's got that buzz cut that makes him look military and the glasses that look military. He's competent with <laughs> How weapons. How do glasses look a, military? I don't know. Somebody said it and I wrote it down. Whoever said it is wrong. They were just, I mean, we went through 15 times that every single guy in his 20s and 30s in 1969 wore the same glasses. What is, how does that make it military? (laughs) I don't know. You're yelling at the wrong queen, girl. Now this is what Mike, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling to you about something that's making me mad. I have the same problem with Steve. Are you saying that sometimes when you yell about something to Mike, he thinks you're yelling at him? Because Steve thinks that about me yelling at him all the time. I mean, Patrick, on a daily basis, like three times. A day. He'll be like, you're yelling at me. I'm like, I'm not yelling at, at you. No. Well, now I'm, I'm yelling at you because you're not listening to what I'm saying I'm just to you. yelling. Okay? I'm yes. just yelling. <laughs> Deal with it. But then they also say maybe he's a guy who's obsessed with astrological signs because of the Zodiac thing. And everyone's like, no, that's bullshit. Like, somebody says... There are some theories that the Zodiac was either a master criminal or some sort of drooling maniac. And I think the truth probably lies somewhere in between. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. He's just like an average fucking uh-huh. mediocre white guy. Like, like all of right. them. Right. Only he's just like evil and a serial killer. Like that exactly. too. Exactly. Um, some yeah. mediocre white dudes just like float through life 
being mediocre white dudes and don't end up killing people, which is great. Some of them, Some of yeah. them just end up being mediocre. <laughs> and then, but now, like, he starts taunting the police, calling them blue pigs, and he would make fun of them for not finding him. And, like, there's an idea that because he's making fun of the cops and because maybe he was in law enforcement, like, there's this theory that maybe he just couldn't make the police force. Like, he was fired or kicked off the force or he, like, couldn't hack it. And so now that's why he's, yeah. like, taunting the cops so much. So, girl, Paul Avery is here. I can't believe it's taken this long for Paul Avery to get here. You mean Robert Downey Jr.? I mean Paul Avery? Yes. Paul Avery was a reporter who worked at the San Francisco Chronicle at the time of the Zodiac case, and he was also responsible for many of the stories in the Chronicle about the crimes. He was writing a lot of stories about the case, and he was like really, really talking shit about Zodiac. It, yeah, it, we, we actually got into this in that documentary we covered, which we're actually we're going to talk a little bit about in this episode too, <laughs> the most dangerous animal of all, the one where the guy needed his dad to be the Zodiac killer. Yes. Paul Avery really did say some shit about the Zodiac killer to the point that in October 1970, the Zodiac sent Paul Avery a Halloween card. In October of 1970, the Zodiac sent Paul Avery a Halloween card, which appeared to allude to a 14th victim. And some people believe that the 14th victim would be Paul Avery. People thought that like he was going to come to the Chronicle and actually kill Paul Avery. Right. So if Paul Avery, he was like a character, right? So yeah. he made and have had everyone wear buttons that say, I am not Paul Avery. So that when the Zodiac Killer showed up at the Chronicle, they, he wouldn't kill the wrong guy. Do you know, girl, I actually went on eBay today for a gift for you. I was trying to find an original I am not Paul Avery button. I was going to buy it for you for your birthday, but I couldn't find one. I love you so much. I have looked. Uh, there are no original ones, but they... Uh, There's you, tons you, of Etsy ones you can get for $3. <laughs> which, my birthday's December 21st. I know. Um, so... <laughs> I mean, coming from me, the king of knowing how to make things about myself, Paul Avery's making this a little bit about himself. Paul Avery loved it. And he was also <laughs> like, Paul Avery was writing some problematic shit about the Zodiac, like trying to taunt him by saying he was gay. Like it, that's a bad yeah. thing. Like it's right. a lot. Exactly. Like the Zodiac's a murderer. Like he's de he definitely wins like the problematic medal here. Like sure. he's definitely the worst yeah. of all of it. But Avery was just like, can you stop being so, you know, just enough already. So right. <laughs> the Zodiac writes again and he's like, hey, coppers, hey, blue pigs or whatever like i'm gonna change up my style completely he did claim in one of his letters was that he was going to change the way he killed and that he would not announce his victims and would make many of them look like accidents that was actually a rather clever ploy on the part of the killer if he wanted to stop killing but leave the police wondering whether he was continuing to kill or not this is a great way to stop killing but also keep the cops running in circles exactly god why are people so diabolical i know so because the zodiac's like i'm not gonna admit to things anymore the cops need to fill their days <laughs> so they start looking into cold cases trying to see if they can make connections to zodiac murders right to like earlier cases because like the, this opened in like 69 right. right so now they're looking in cases before that so now it's a case from 1963 the victims are linda edwards and bobby domingos they were high school sweethearts at a lover's lane they were bound there was a knife involved very similar to Lake Berryessa and nothing was ever confirmed like Zodiac didn't try to take credit for it but because of the similarities the cops maybe think it was him but like nothing comes of that and then the second connection is made by none other than Paul Avery just putting himself right yeah. in there her name is Sherry Jo Bates and this happened in 1966 and this was in Riverside so Sherry Jo Bates was last seen at the college library her body was found in a vacant lot she was stabbed and there were letters sent to the press and the police about this. The murder was accompanied by letters, multiple copies of letters sent in different directions. 
one cent to the press, one cent to the police. It's very rare for a serial killer to correspond. It's exceedingly rare for a serial killer to make multiple copies of a letter and send it in different directions. The day after her body was found, three letters were sent. It was the exact same thing that the Zodiac did. And they say over and over again, like, that never happens. And Zodiac would always put extra postage on his letters. Yeah. And this was happening here. There were, like, a lot more stamps on the envelope than was needed. So that was in 1966, right? The first Zodiac murders happened in 1969. Now, cut to 1971, five years yeah. after the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, Zodiac is taking credit for this murder. The Zodiac sent a letter to the Los Angeles Times in which he took credit for the murder of Sherry Jo Bates. In that letter, he said, I do have to give them credit for stumbling across my Riverside activity, which was an apparent reference to the Bates murder. But there are a hell of a lot more of them down there. What's so interesting about this, though, is that our FBI profiler friend is here to say it's actually, this like made me laugh, it's not uncommon for serial killers to take credit for each other's work. Yes. Because the press is saying maybe this is the work of the Zodiac Killer, he's like, oh, let me add that to my body count. I didn't do it, but they think I did, so I'll say that I did. Because what we're going to start to see now is that the Zodiac used to give very detailed information when he would take credit for something. He would give information that only the killer would know. But for a lot of these things going forward he's taking credit for these crimes that are being that he's being accused of and only giving information that is available to anybody in the public because right, he reads the paper so it's all exactly. information that paul avery's writing or whatever but what's so crazy is that like so he's taking credit for it but we learn about this guy ross sullivan sullivan is a stocky man with glasses and he worked at the library where Bates was last seen alive. He had apparently had some mental health issues. He was uh, largely antisocial. And so some people considered him to be the logical suspect. We see a picture of this Ross Sullivan guy, and it is the exact composite sketch that we all know of the Zodiac. Like he could be D.B. Cooper too, basically. <laughs> exactly. That's what I said, because initially I screamed and I'm like, oh my God, that guy's the fucking Zodiac killer. And then I was like, oh no, everybody in the 70s had that exact same look. Right. That's the whole point. This is where we're starting to get a little bit back to that most dangerous animal of all with the guy who needed his dad to be the Zodiac yeah. killer because we talked about this ad nauseum where Zodiac would sometimes mention the Mikado which is that super racist opera by Gilbert Sullivan. In at least three letters the Zodiac referenced or quoted the Mikado. Mikado is a light opera written by Gilbert and Sullivan first performed in the 1890s in London. Some people think that that means the Zodiac had some kind of a connection with opera or maybe his last name was Sullivan. This guy's name is Ross Sullivan. So they're thinking like right. he has the black rimmed glasses, his last name Sullivan, the Mikado, it's racist, like great. So they start, they're investigating him through the 70s. They're kind of thinking it might really be him. But then remember, we have a fingerprint from the taxi cab and it doesn't match. So like it's, he's not the guy. Right. But like my question is, why is it all or nothing? Like maybe he actually did kill Sherry Jo Bates. Maybe he didn't. But like who killed Sherry Jo Bates? Like can we solve that murder? Right. Just because totally. it doesn't connect to the Zodiac, the the confirmed Zodiac killings. We're just going to give yeah. up on Sherry Jo Bates. Like, fuck that. She <laughs> know, she deserves some kind of closure. Like, that made me really mad. And right on cue, it's the halfway mark. Here's Donnie coming to give us a little <laughs> recap of what we just, what we literally just watched. I said, he says nothing interesting, but he looks good, girl. He's the, he looks at like the kind of guy whose face I'd like to brush with my fingers on Christmas morning. On Christmas morning. You know, <laughs> while we're drinking our eggnog lattes, with, you with know. With your family, long gone. Get out of here. I'm with Donnie. Uh, shut up, kid. Oh, dad, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
So now we learn about Kathleen Johns. Well, it's well, it's been two years and nothing, which is so yeah, it's been two years and nothing, and now we learn about Kathleen Johns, who was played by Ione Sky in the movie, and I follow her on Instagram. I do too. <laughs> you do? Yes. Her Instagram is so weird. Her, oh, she she dated both Ad Rock from the Beastie Boys and Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. No way. Ione Sky is like the the one who got away for him, and he says like really amazing stuff about her in in his book. Oh my god. God, that's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. So this whole Kathleen Johns thing is kind of a mess. Yeah, this is a weird story. And there's a lot of stuff. Well, ju- let's just get into it. Okay, so okay. Kathleen Johns, <laughs> according to Kathleen Johns, she was driving on the highway. She's eight months pregnant and she has her 10 yeah. month old daughter in the car. And yes. she's driving along and someone like flags her down and tells her to pull over because there's something wrong with her wheel or like something is wrong yeah. with her car. Somebody seemingly a good Samaritan pulls up behind behind her and offers her a ride. She gets into his car with her infant daughter. Once she's in the car, he starts to terrify her. He makes statements that really frighten her and make her believe that she's going to be killed. So Kathleen John says that she grabs her 10-month-old. She's eight months pregnant. Yeah. He's at a stop sign. She runs out of the car. The fucking Zodiac Killer has killed 100 people, but he stops at stop signs in the middle of the fucking, in the middle of nowhere. And I what? thought they were on the highway. Maybe they got off the highway. I know. I know. But then she like walks into a police station, sees the Zodiac sketch, and she's like, oh my God, I was just in a car with him. Yeah. And this is not actually what happened with Kathleen John. Like the story that they're telling us isn't really what happened. Like they're like five or six six different stories of what happened to Kathleen Johns. And so like there's stories where she says, oh, they showed me the sketch and I said that was him. Sometimes she says uh-huh. I walked into the police station. So like just Google it. You'll lose your whole yeah. weekend. But like just look <laughs> up into it. It's all a mess. But the point is, is that five months later, Zodiac takes credit for this abduction. But exactly like we were saying earlier, all the details come from the newspaper. It's nothing like Lake Herman or Blue Rock Springs or Lake Berryessa or Paul Stein. Right. He has no item of clothing. He has no other details. Like, we know as much of the details in the paper sitting at our breakfast nook. It's nothing new. Right, exactly. Which is just so weird. He's gone from, like, having all the information. Like, obviously, he's lying. Like, he's making it up, right? right? And then later on, Kathleen Johns identifies someone named Lawrence Kane. Yeah. And this guy's fucking trash. Oh, is he? Tell me everything. He's a peeping Tom. Oh, right. <laughs> Fuck this guy. <laughs> you thought I had, like, tea that they that HLN didn't tell us? <laughs> so, by 1971, the Zodiac is sending postcards alluding to other victims and letters to the LA Times. But again, like he wasn't adding anything that they didn't already know. So we learn like with, especially with Sherry Jo Bates and Kathleen Johns, like he just wants the press. He's in it for the press. So based on, on facts known to the public, he could claim credit and stay on the front page of the newspaper. So it appeared that at that point, it became a publicity campaign rather than a reign of terror. Over the next five years, he sends 19 communications to the press with no real new usable information. Right. So cut to July 8th, 1974. This is the last letter that is sent. They don't hear from him again after this. And so they like drop that fact and then we take a hard left off a cliff because now we're talking about the Unabomber. One of the popular suspects was the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. The Unabomber, like the Zodiac, also sent letters to the media. 
The bulk of the Zodiac's activity happened during the two years following Ted Kaczynski's time as a professor at UC Berkeley. Well, it's interesting because now they're sort of going through like the popular ideas of like who the suspects could be. And they say Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, because they both sent letters to the media, you know, and then they're saying that like the Zodiac activity lines up with when Ted Kaczynski like left his job Mm -hmm. at UC Berkeley as a teacher. So it's like he quit his job and then four days later, the Zodiac shit starts. And then like in 1974 he does a full rebranding and now he's the Unabomber. Like what is going on? (laughs) Like and Graysmith is like no girl. It's an interesting theory but he's also tall and lanky and uh I went to his trial and I did not like him. I think Kaczynski was just getting even with the world. I don't think he could possibly be Zodiac. Grace Smith is like, that's cute. That's a really cute, interesting theory, but no. And nobody in law enforcement seems to believe it either. But this is when we come to Arthur Lee Allen. Right. Robert Graysmith wrote the book Zodiac in the 80s. And that was co- sort of like the thing that like reinvigorated the case. And then, of course, the movie that was made in the early 2000s mm-hmm. is like the thing that brought it to our generation. And the <laughs> well, main so, suspect. Some in- of us were reading that book at way too young of an age okay some of us <laughs> carried around that yellow book constantly oh my God. i didn't realize it came out in the 80s I, I didn't realize it was that long ago and, and he but he just it took forever to write like he was writing it almost in real time you know like yeah so yeah. cut to 1991 real quick this is a little bit of a time jump but it'll make sense in a minute michael mugeau yeah. speaks out he was in that second attack darlene with the popular waitress july 4th and he's the one that said back in the day if i saw a photograph of this guy i could probably pick him out so the Cops are like, hey, Mike, we know it's 1991, but we want to show you a photo of someone. So they show him a photo of a guy named Arthur Lee Allen. And Michael Mageau is like, holy shit, that's the guy. I will never forget his face for as long as I live. That is him. Then we cut to commercial. Donnie has his hanging by a thread and we're like hanging on his every word. And when we come back, we learn about a guy named Don Chaney. This individual, Don Chaney, had known Arthur Lee Allen. And according to Chaney, in December of 1967, he mentioned his desire to write letters and use the name Zodiac and that he wanted to shoot people. This is something that Arthur Lee Allen would just casually tell his friends. Yes, like two years before the murders. And also, Arthur Lee Allen was a former school teacher and he he was fired for molesting kids and he lived in Vallejo. So he's local. I mean, he's... So fucking, dis- this guy is like the scum of the earth. If he's not the Zodiac killer, he's just as bad. Right. So he's like, I'm going to write letters to the cops. I'm going to call myself Zodiac. I'm going to kill couples at random. Oh, I'm going to attach a flashlight to a gun so I can see them, but they can't see me. Yeah. And so like Arthur Lee Allen was dishonorably discharged from the Navy. So he's military. He had a lot of guns. Same ones Zodiac used. He lived less than 50 yards from where Darlene Farron worked. Remember she had that stalker that would sit at the IHOP and stare at her? Yeah. So Michael Mageau IDs this guy in 1991. And just to like devil's advocate at all. This guy Cheney is not saying anything about Arthur Lee Allen that isn't also public knowledge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody knows that the Zodiac did X, Y, and Z. And he's now saying, oh, my friend told me back in the day that he was going to do X, Y, and Z. It, this is not clear, but Don Cheney says this like in the 70s, like around this time, because he's also telling Don like- He makes a statement in front of Cheney. He says, I want to shoot the little kitties as they come bouncing off the bus. I want to shoot kids. I want to see them bouncing off a school bus. Like, isn't that a cool thing? And Don's like, what the fuck? So Don, like, leaves. Like, Don's moving. He's leaving town. So he's like, oh, my God. He cuts all ties with Arthur Lee Allen. But it happened on, like, New Year's Day. And they immediately stop being friends. But Don, like, sees the school bus threat in the newspaper. And that's when he calls the cops. And he starts putting it all together. 
end. Yeah, there's more. It's like, you know, Arthur Lee Allen had a Zodiac wristwatch. He also was very familiar with Lake Berryessa. He would go there to shoot squirrels. Garbage. Yeah, one of his favorite spots to hunt. Thanks. <laughs> but wait, oh, just real quick about that Zodiac wristwatch. The Zodiac yeah. watch symbol is the crosshair. It's the Zodiac. So Zodiac is a brand of watches. Google yeah. it right now. It's bonkers. It still exists. Yeah. Like someone could have the same watch that Arthur Lee Allen had, but it's the Zodiac brand and with the crosshair that Zodiac would sign the letters in. Like that's fucking crazy. Yeah, I mean, and so the police, they get a search warrant for Arthur Lee Allen's trailer and then it cuts to a, a TV interview with Arthur Lee Allen where he is crying. It's difficult as hell and it can be ex- it can be terribly depressing and if I deserved any of it that would be something different but I don't I just don't deserve any of this. And I said, didn't we just find out that you went to prison for molesting children? You're not going to get any sympathy from me over here, Arthur yeah, Lee Allen. Yeah, and you know, is it funny you should mention uh, being arrested for being a sex offender because conveniently, the murders and the letters stopped when Arthur Lee Allen was in prison, again, for molesting children. But again, it's determined that his fingerprints don't match. Like, they don't have any actual friend. Like, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence, but like, if we've ruled out all these other people because their fingerprints don't match, like, his fingerprints don't match. Yeah, I wish it was a better print. It was like a bloody latent. It's like half a fingerprint that was in blood. Like, I'm not one for uh, putting innocent people in prison. I'm just saying if that's what we're basing everything on. Yeah, no, this guy can go away. I don't need a reason to put this guy back in jail. That would be fine. And also, handwriting analysis isn't really a thing, so I don't want to hear it. Not at all. And and we get to that again in, in a few minutes. Because now we're going to talk about all the jurisdictions. And when I say all the jurisdictions, I mean all of them. Because yeah. every single murder was in a different jurisdiction. So remember... The 1960s and the early 1970s, law enforcement agencies weren't even on the same radio wavelengths. Police reports were filed in San Francisco and filed in Vallejo and filed at Lake Berryessa. So there wasn't the communication that you see now that really hurt us. No emails, no shared databases, no one was communicating, and they're all competing. Everyone wanted to be the cop who got the guy. Yeah, and that like that's the big thing here is that like there was no sharing of information. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw this with Ted Bundy too. Like you kill in one state, you kill in another state, you kill in another town, and they can't connect it. Like there was just no way of doing this back then. Right, and so the case goes cold. You know, Zodiac went from being on the front page and he like fades into a footnote as they say and now we're back in 1986 and Zodiac comes out Graysmith's right. famous book and like this whole new generation of people learned about the case right and and again they tell us that you know for the book and for the movie because the book was really popular but the movie was like really popular yeah and that came out in 2007 David Fincher yeah right and they say that like the main villain in the movie was Arthur Lee Allen and he was you know it was so compelling the case that they made against him that people leave thought that he had to be the killer. If you don't know anything else about the case and you only read the book and you only know the movie, and honestly, that's all I know. I don't know anything else about the case. There's no way you can read the book and watch the movie and not think that Arthur Lee Allen is the guy. Like, that is the idea behind both the movie and the book. Yeah, and also, even if you haven't watched the movie, which you should, it's very good. Fast forward through Lake Berryessa. Yeah. I always yeah. do. <laughs> but, like, even if you're just learning about the Zodiac, right, and you are you only know what this HLN doc is telling you, everything from the letters and murders stopping when he's in prison for molesting kids, the military stuff, the gun guns, the Lake Berryessa familiarity. There's stuff where you would be like, oh, oh, all right, okay. No, it's very compelling. And again, I don't know anything else, but like they've never arrested the guy. So it seems like they're can't, you know what I mean? He's dead. But he was not dead for a long time. He died. He was recently. not dead for a long time. <laughs>
Cut to 2014. All right, we're back to Gary Stewart, you guys. He is the guy who wrote The Most Dangerous Animal of All. We covered it. Was it on the page or on the regular feed? It was on the regular feed. It was FX. And it was like, this is the guy who needs the Zodiac to be his father. I'm like, we already did this. It's not Earl Van Best Jr. I know. This poor guy. I mean, he was adopted. Mm -hmm. He had like actually a great life. But his early life, he learned about it. It was really bad. His dad was a guy named Earl Van Best Jr. Who like lived in San Francisco around the time of the Zodiac. Like what they basically say is that if you want anybody to be the Zodiac Killer bad enough, you can figure out a way to make it work, you know? Right, because like he, his whole big thing that, again, we, we spoke about for like a, a full hour, this one thing. He was like, look at, yeah. look at this cipher. The Zodiac Killer insisted to the press and to the police that yeah. if you crack this cipher, you will have my identity. They cracked the cipher and, and got the cryptic message. But they didn't know what name to look for. Because they didn't they didn't know your your father's name, right? right? Then that's there. He's like, oh, if you put the E from that corner and the A from that and the R, it's like he was just finding letters and making what he wanted it to be. And someone says like You can find anything in the cipher. You can find your name in the cipher if you wanted to. Uh, but it's not scientific. It's not conclusive. Your name is probably in there. My name is probably yeah. in there. My dad's name is probably in there. Like, you could find, And the you know. thing is, like, the thing about the book is that the book is presented as fact. Like, my dad is the Zodiac Killer. And the documentary is, like, that's what the first episode is. And then, like, the second episode is the debunking of it in real time. And Gary, like, did not know that was going to happen. If you've not listened to those episodes, go. It is fascinating. Because all I knew about that story was the book, which is, like, he firmly believed his dad was a Zodiac killer and then it is all debunked in front of him with the investigator that was hired to prove that he was mm-hmm. the Zodiac killer. Like, it is a bananas documentary. Absolutely. So, this episode kind of ends with talking about the Golden State Killer because they're saying that, like, it just seems like the Zodiac case is going to be cold for forever. But then in 2018, after, f- like, 40 years after the Golden State Killer stopped killing, they were able to figure out who it was through genetic genealogy. And they cut to that image of Joseph D'Angelo, his mugshot, where he looks so confused. I'm like, girl, what are you confused about? I know. Don't pull that shit with me, Joe. Fuck it. Absolutely <laughs> not. Wait, what? Me? I, I, I'm just an old man. I don't know anything. Yeah. No. But they say... Investigators found what we think are three distant cousins of the killer in that database. And then they were able to trace back to a common ancestor from those three people to a great, great grandparent of the killer. And they were able to trace that back to a common ancestor. Then they just work their way forward and Joseph D'Angelo was like the clear killer. Right. Right. And so they're saying if they could capture a complete DNA profile of the Zodiac killer, they could do the same thing. Right. So they do have some DNA from a stamp and it was last tested in 2002. And like there have been a lot of advancements made since 2002. But the thing about it is like it's not really the best sample to begin with. If anything, it would like it would only exclude suspects. It wouldn't be able to ID anyone. But at the same time, like what can science do now? That was 20 years ago. Who knows? And they tell all these homicide samples ended up in a warehouse infested with cats and rats for a period of time. They used to keep the evidence from this case in like a room that was infested with cats and rats? Some woman says it like we shouldn't pause on it for 10 minutes and get a little more explanation. She's like, and, and she's like, look, this DNA, it's not the best sample. It's been it's been sitting in some dank warehouse that's full of cats and rats. What do you want me to do about it? And I'm like, lady, hold on. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Cats and rats together in perfect harmony? I like, know. what are you talking about? I mean, honestly, like, unless science advances, like, 
like even 100% more than it is now, which is like 800% more than it was in 2002, we're probably not going to get a DNA profile of the Zodiac Killer and we're probably never going to know who it is. And the thing is like, Joseph D'Angelo was alive. Even if it's Arthur Lee Allen, he's dead. Like where's his DNA? Where's Arthur Lee Allen's DNA now? I bet they could get that though. Or they probably have it, you know? Oh, they must. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Wouldn't they, I mean, wouldn't they take something from him? You would think. I just want them to get the DNA. Like, look, take it to 23andMe and just fucking find yeah. out who it was. Who was it? Yes, because even if there's a partial match and this person happens to be related to Arthur Lee Allen, there we go. That's all we would need. Totally. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so Arthur Lee Allen does, yes, that was a stupid thing I said. Arthur Lee Allen does not have to be alive because of this 23andMe ancestry thing. Right. Someone related to him yeah. is, or someone related to the Zodiac Killer is, and that's really all we need. There we go. Okay, I solved it. I <laughs> solved how we're gonna solve it <laughs> i'm not i want to say for the record i am not necessarily on the arthur the allen train i know you super are but i was like going through the reddit i was looking online for like all of the reasons people say it isn't and there's a lot of compelling evidence that it's not him there there is I, absolutely I, look you think i haven't spent hours and hours on reddit with this i know um, i know i know i, <laughs> I know i just want to know who it is yeah i'm open to to all of it if there's something that's not like really really reaching like i'll i'll read all of it like send me the theories yeah yeah, and then Donnie is back to say goodbye. I'm Donnie Wahlberg. Thanks for watching. Very scary people. How much did he, did he get paid, like, scale for this? Like, what was the... I mean, he's only in, like, he's in 90 seconds of every episode. I really thought this was going to be Donnie Wahlberg on the case. I thought he was going to be tracking down leads, interviewing witnesses. I thought Donnie was going to be more hands-on. He's like, I do that plenty in Blue Bloods, okay? I don't have time for this. I'm, I'm the face of this thing. Yeah, you could slap my name on it. Call it Very Scary People with Donnie Wahlberg if that helps you. you guys we did i can't again remember what this is called well you yelled at me for saying it wrong it's very scary I, people <laughs> with donnie Wahlberg. i am the zodiac parts one and two. Oh my god you guys i love donnie Wahlberg so much if you want more jillian and me join us on the patreon over 250 full ad-free bonus hilarious episodes to download and binge right this second oh we have a lot to live up to with that oh mm. <laughs> we already did it it's a past dance girl it's already done we did okay, it Okay, great because you're telling people that it's really great and amazing which i guess it is and you get all of those. You get all of those immediately when you sign up. Like the backlog, you have yeah. all of it. So I hope you have space on your phone. I say it every time. Months and months of content. Join us on the Facebook group. It's the True Crime Obsessed Podcast discussion group. Join us on the Instagram at True Crime Obsessed Podcast. What are we doing next, girl? <gasps> are you ready? What is it? We're doing Major Look. Oh my God! It's an it's an art forgery situation. I am so so obsessed. I. I, I know, I know. There's a character we're going to just talk about for days. I, I, I know, I, I know. I, she did it to herself. Anyway, just come join us next week. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. Stay tuned for our hilarious, ridiculous outtakes, the trailer for Major Look, and we love you guys. Yeah, we love you. Thanks thanks for coming with us on this on this journey. Highly what requested, so I hope you loved it. Yeah. I hope you loved it. Bye. Bye. An $80 million scandal has the art world up in arms tonight. A series of fakes that sold for tens of millions of dollars. The gallery involved in the sale of over 30 fakes. It takes more than a really talented con man to pull off a forgery of this magnitude. Anne Friedman was the director of Nodler Gallery. She had such a prominent reputation. Nodler is one of the oldest art galleries in the country. Glafira Rosales brought approximately a dozen different works to Nodler Gallery. She comes in off the street with supposed masterpieces in the trunk of her car. 
Motherwell. Jackson Pollock. Rothkast. All of them from this same mysterious wealthy collector, Mr. X, who was from the Philippines. This collector was a Swiss collector. He didn't want his name to be disclosed. Uh, oh, yes, it had changed from the Philippines to Switzerland. You couldn't make this stuff up. It was incredible. An absolutely bizarre story for any dealer to accept. It's a business. These works went into the greatest museums in the world. But there was a point where questions were coming up. The analysts found that a yellow paint used in the Pollock hadn't been available until 1970. Jackson Pollock died in a car crash in 1956. Either the paintings are all real or they're all fake. We all know how that story turned out. eyes lit up it's almost like i could see the martini in your hand leaning closer tell me everything girl what i love that like in the meetings donnie's like you guys keep it simple keep it we need to keep it fucking simple yeah and more screen time for me if i'm being honest like my only note <laughs> is that you need you need more donnie maybe maybe it's the opposite maybe he was like ah oh, i have to do the thing in the middle i have like blue bloods to get to i don't <laughs> all right fine but i it's, it could be a minute and and no longer than that hln i gotta go i, I, I got, got i'm donnie fucking Wahlberg. i'm out of here I, i'm on like a cbs show you guys know that right have you heard of blue bloods i can okay it's uh all right I'll t it's, uh, tom Selleck is in it it's pretty big <laughs> 